We are in the Miracles series. I have had so much fun with this series so far. We went into this as a speaking team, planning content, and wanting, believing that we were gonna see miracles, that the same God who did miracles in the New Testament and the Old Testament would do miracles for us. And so last week we put up a miracle wall and we asked people to put some of the miracles on it, and they did, and I just wanted to share a few um, Jesus saved me from my anxiety. God was faithful, answered prayer, and brought us a daughter. Uh, something in- extremely important to me was lost after years in a simple prayer. God revealed it to me and I found it. The Lord saving me from my grief. God restored my family when it appeared all hope was gone. That's a word to somebody. My miracle is my grandma survived surgery. I love that one. Baby Hudson is alive and thriving. God saved our broken marriage. Miracles are happening all around us. If we we pay attention, we can see them. We can see that God's at work. We can see that he's moving. We can see that he has more for us often than even we would ever dream for ourselves. And so the miracle wall is still out there and I would love for you to drop by and drop a miracle on the wall. It is so encouraging to me on my little coffee breaks when I come down here and just read the wall and see what God is doing. Revelation said they overcame him by the blood of their lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives, even unto death. This is the word of our testimony. And so I love that that we're looking again at the miracles of God and believing that he can move among us. So today's miracle is actually the exact same text that Alex preached on last week. We decided this text was worth taking from two different angles. In this text, there is a man who is both deaf and mute. And last week, Alex talked about uh, how we find our voice and how God restores our voice. Remember, he talked about God gives a voice to the helpless, to the voiceless, to children, to the land, to animals, to us. God give, restores the voice that we need. And, and this week, we're gonna look at the hearing side of this miracle. So it's found in Mark 7. It starts out, then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. So already... This guy didn't choose to come. This guy is being brought. He's being brought to Jesus. And we don't actually know why. I think it would be easy to think, oh, they just really want him to be healed. But eventually Jesus kicks him out. So it feels to me like there's maybe something in it, like the people want to see a party trick and they found a good person to bring. And so Jesus eventually is gonna separate the man from the people who brought him, and I think there's a reason for that. We actually see that in a couple of miracles Jesus does when he goes to heal the leader's daughter to raise her, she's died, and when he goes, he kicks out all the mourners. He's like, nope, the way you feel is not compatible with what's about to happen. And so This says, after he took the man aside, away from the crowd. The other thing about that that's interesting about Jesus is he's always moving toward the margins. Jesus doesn't spend a lot of time on the main stage. He's always moving toward, you know, there there are these people uh, who end up 
far from a city, far from a grocery store, far from a restaurant, listening to Jesus preach for hours and hours, and they're so hungry, and they're not gonna be able to find their way back to their homes. You know how they got that far from food? Jesus led them there. It says they followed Jesus. Jesus led them away from the crowd, away from the noise, away from the mainstream, into the margins. I think it's because he knows something can happen to us in the margins that can't happen to us when we're in the flow of all the traffic and all the noise of our world. And so he takes the man away from the crowd and he puts his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. In this word, he says, it says Jesus has a deep sigh. In the Greek, this word is very emotive. This word means anger combined with grief. It's the same word, we'll talk about it in a couple of weeks when we talk about resurrection. It's the same word for when Jesus comes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and it says Jesus wept. Same exact word. Jesus is grieved. Jesus is angry. And when we, we know he's about to heal him, and I think Jesus knows he's about to heal him, and so what is making Jesus so sad? I wonder if Jesus, who knows this man and sees this man who's been wrangled to him by a crowd that needs to be kicked out. I wonder if Jesus can see all the, th the moments in his life when being someone who cannot hear and cannot talk kept him well and truly marginalized, perhaps abused, perhaps ridiculed, maybe bullied. I wonder if Jesus is in that moment understanding and feeling the depths of how humanity deals with people and their imperfections so cruelly. And all I want you to get from this is that Jesus sees this man. There is never an example in the Bible where Jesus waves his magic wand and everyone in the room is healed. He heals people one by one by one by one. He heals people in the context of relationship, in the context of a touch, of a word. He looks them in the eye. We are seen and known and loved by God. Jesus proves it. Jesus comes to earth not to Facebook everyone, not to be, get a million followers that he's never gonna see, but to, to meet with 12 people and then a few more and then a few more. People that he's gonna look at, people he's gonna know, people who will walk away and go, I know that he saw me. I know that he knows me and I know that he loves me. We see Jesus stepping into people's lives and making a difference in the context of relationship. I think maybe the greatest way to open the door to the voice of God in our life is to shut the door to something else. That's what Jesus helps him do. He moves him away from the crowd so that he can hear him, so that the man can hear him. There's and in doing that, in healing him, he gives him a gift. He gives him the gift of sound. We've been talking about miracles and we say that miracles are heaven invading earth to create beauty. 
So when heaven invades earth, it's in order to create a beauty we couldn't otherwise find or it's to create a separation from the works of darkness that we couldn't achieve on our own. So Jesus steps into this moment and he says, I'm gonna restore something beautiful to this man. He's gonna kind of restore the factory settings, the way this guy was meant to operate in the beauty of heaven. And he gives him the gift of sound. And sound is such a big deal. And for those of you who have struggled with hearing impairment, I was raised by a mom who struggled all her life, was born hearing impaired. And I always remember I always had to be facing my mom to talk to her because she couldn't hear us if she couldn't read our lips. She depended on sight in order to enjoy sound, any sound at all. And so for those of you who know what it's like, you understand the gift of sound. For those of us who have just always had it, we take for granted what it does for us. Sound gives us safety. Sirens and smoke alarms, cries for help. Sound is safety. Sound is beauty. Sound is a symphony. Sound is the roar of an ocean. It's beauty. In fact, take a listen to this symphony. I think it's coming up back here. Okay. How does this sound without sound? Take a listen to the ocean. This is fun because we had a conversation this week about do you want a tropical ocean or the Oregon coast? And I was like, I am Oregon born and bred. This is the only ocean there is. Thank you very much. This is the, o the Oregon ocean. That's what I want. How does it sound without sound? Sound is beautiful. Sound fills us with something that we can't just achieve with sight. God didn't have to give us sound. We would have figured it out without it. But sound is a gift. It's a gift, and sound gives us relationship. It's communication, and communication, if anyone has ever been to a marriage counselor knows, is the whole key to a good relationship. Communication, communication, communication. Our relationship with God is a love story, and hearing him is one of the keys, just like it is in our real lives. I'm beginning to believe that all of the beauty that comes from following Jesus, of all that comes with it, hearing his voice is one of the most beautiful prizes. It's one of the most important things, being able to hear him, being able to hear his voice. Ephesians talks about the eyes of our understanding being opened, and this morning I wanna believe that the ears of our understanding will be opened, that we will begin to hear him in a new way, because I think it's one of the most important parts of the Christian faith, it's the fountain of a thousand other gifts, being able to hear the voice of God, and it's the way we know and build friendship with him. To be seen and known and loved by God is to communicate with him. Hebrews says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is the evidence of the wind? You can see the leaves blowing, you can see some of it, but you can hear it through the trees. It's one of the most, my favorite sounds is the sound of a big windstorm. What is the evidence of a train coming down the track? 
Well, Johnny Cash would tell you, you hear it coming around the bend. You can hear and it creates evidence for something that you can't see. The sound of God's voice is evidence of his existence, but it's also evidence that he sees us and he knows us and he loves us. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's not just listening to his voice. It's not just hearing his voice. It's hearing it in such a way that our actions are directed by it. It's hearing it in such a way that we follow him. It's hearing him in such a way that our ordinary day gets upended. Because we've heard the voice of God. We've heard our shepherds say, go here. We've heard our shepherds say, give this. We've heard our shepherds say, pray this. Hearing the voice of God will make such a change in our relationship with him. The relationship of the sheep to the shepherd is such that they trust his voice when they hear it. They trust it for the same reason I trust the sound of my husband's voice because I have spent time with him because they know him. We are the sheep. And we can say all day long that we are seen, known, and loved, but the way that truth becomes reality to us us is the same way the sheep learn to trust the shepherd by spending time and listening to him. There are a lot of things I can do to make my husband happy in our relationship or to make our relationship better. I can buy him good gifts, I can make good meals, we can go out on a date once a week, we can follow all the happy marriage advice written in all the happy marriage books, but if I don't listen to him, none of those things are gonna matter. It won't. We have to hear one another. The root of communication is commune. Be together in conversation. Be together in a way that shows we are each seen and known and loved by the other. Communication is the fundamental metric for any healthy relationship. Why wouldn't it also be the metric for our relationship with Jesus? Communication, how we hear him, how we know him. My sheep know my voice. And yet I suspect that we have substituted a lot of things for hearing his voice. I think we have substituted hearing leaders' voices. I think that's a little easier sometimes to just listen to what the pastor says to do. Don't do that. (laughs) I think it's easy. I think leaders make a lot of proclamations and we try to answer a lot of questions and we have a lot of opinions and sometimes our opinions are formed outside the sound of the voice of God and then those opinions get passed down like gospel as if God spoke them himself and he didn't and then there's damage done to the beautiful bride of Christ because we've decided to listen to a leader instead of cultivate our own honest to goodness relationship with God, with God who wants to speak to us. It matters. In the beginning of the early church, in fact, let's just say before the early church, Jesus said, uh, you will call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And then people started getting saved and the church started growing and Jesus ascends to heaven and things get messy inside the church. I don't know if you've ever been in a messy church. I haven't, but I've heard they exist. I've heard that happens. Things get messy, and so the early church leaders start to think, how do we solve the messes? Well, people are getting saved too fast. 
and we're, we're, we're bringing them into full acceptance way too quickly. So we need to make a class before they can actually be baptized and be saved. And we'll make a class and we'll teach them some stuff. And we also, there are some categories of people that no matter how many classes they take, they are not ready to be baptized. And those people are people who work in the theater. They should not ever be baptized. Um, Prostitutes, they should not ever be baptized. Um, People who work in the military should never be baptized because they kill people. And so they had a list of rules and then they made a class that people needed to take and the class was catechism and it was three years. We had to go to three years of classes before you were able to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. After a while, they started saying, you know what would be a good thing to help people get into heaven? Money. That'd be a good idea. We'll do that. People who were outside the sound of God's voice but occupied a leader's space started to speak for God. And people who had stopped listening to the actual voice of God followed the leader's voice instead. And all of them were damaged in the process. Every biblical spiritual leader should always be pointing you back to the voice of God. Back to the voice of God. Always. It's essential. It's the thing. It's your relationship. I could tell you all day long how wonderful my husband is. He is so great. He is, in fact, this morning I spilled coffee on my pants and I called him and I said, please bring me new pants. By the 11 o'clock, the 9 o'clock will be fine. They're super friendly. The 11 o'clock is really judgy. It's not actually true. But he was like, okay, I'll be there for the 11. And he raced in during worship and brought me pants because he's the best husband in the world. And I could tell you so many things about him. And I could tell you, you should love him. You should really love him. He's the best. And after a while, wouldn't it just be like, well, why doesn't he just want to get to know me? What, what, can I just get to know him myself? Yes, get to know him yourself. You don't have to listen to a pastor tell you who God is. I'm thankful you do. But you will know God yourself. In fact, I'm gonna tell you something. You are gonna discover some things about who God is that I am never ever gonna discover this side of eternity because God uses all of us to display his unfathomable character to his whole world. You are going to experience him him in a way that I never have, and I hope I can experience him in a way that helps you understand. Mostly what I do, though, is study and read dead theologians and hope it makes sense to you. But you've got to know God. You've got to know him. B4 is going to be a church where people hear the voice of God and we walk in it. We often give too many answers as leaders and too many opinions, and then we get in trouble. It's dangerous to substitute listening to a leader for listening to God, and it's dangerous to substitute pleasing God for listening to him, and it's easy to do. I'm doing it all right. I'm laying my life down. I'm giving things up. I'm showing up at church on time. I'm serving in kids' church. I'm doing all the things. When's the last time I heard God? Mm, Don't really know. Haven't had a lot of time. I'm so busy pleasing him. God always puts the greatest amount of value on your relationship with him. Always. And out of your relationship with him where you hear him and know him come every other good thing. You can feel this in the creation story. 
Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The spirit of God just hovering, just hanging out in personless universe, looking for communion through communication. So then he creates humans to walk and talk with. That's the ethos of his relationship with Adam and Eve, is conversation. It says they walk with him in the cool of the garden, and I imagine they just talked a lot. They probably laughed at jokes. They probably said silly things that he was like, oh, that's cute, but that's not how it actually is. I mean, they had time together, communing with one another. And in the garden, it wasn't only the voice of God, it also was the voice of the serpent who shows up in the garden. But there's a whole change when Adam and Eve get banished from the garden and now they're in a noisy, unforgiving, work all day world. Suddenly they are surrounded by things that are not the voice of God and they've got to work to hear him in a whole new way. This is a little bit like, like I love to listen to books when I run and I have a good set of AirPods and I can listen directly and I'm running and I'm trying to stay alive without oxygen, that kind of thing. And so I listen to the voice of the book and I can stay with it. But it, it would be like going from that, listening to a book in noise canceling headphones to listening to the, a book through the airport intercom system. Like you're gonna keep track of the plot line where they stop every 10 minutes and be like, John Jacobson, please report to, you know? It's like that. All of a sudden, Adam and Eve's world got really, really filled with lots and lots of voices. And that's the world into which we have been born. This is where we live. What will we do with it? Because there is not a single thing I can do for you to silence the noise around you. There's not a single thing. Uh, you are the only one they can figure out how to get your, your world quiet enough to hear the voice of God in the cool of the day. It's just so easy to lose the plot and miss the point and miss his voice. From this moment, Adam and Eve leave the garden and God is on a mission to bring us back into communion with him. He is at, the, at work on our love story. He is pursuing us, he is wooing us and he is using words to do it. Will you hear them? the word of God over your life? Will you be the one that lets God put his fingers in your ear and open up what you can hear from him? Every human can hear the voice of God. I just won't apologize for that statement. Every human can hear the voice of God. Every human. I believe it. I don't think it's only for pastors or only for believers. In fact, I think believers can be at a disadvantage sometimes because they have to hear through a lot of preconceived notions about what they think his voice should sound like and, their, and his willingness to speak to them. But every human can hear him how. Four ways I have. There's probably a million ways, but I'm gonna do four because we don't have all day. First one is nature. We hear God through nature. Psalm 19 says the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament pro proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. 
All of nature is speaking to the glory of God and helping us see him in it. Ezekiel 43 says the voice of God is like the sound of many waters. So often something in nature acts as an arrow to me and it points me to the goodness of God, the way the ocean makes me feel small but loved, the way a waterfall is mighty but graceful. Jesus used nature to contextualize so many things about his love for us. He pointed people to the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and the wheat and the weeds and the seeds and the salt and the cities. Jesus is always pointing people, look around you. The voice of God is everywhere. Look around. He's out here and he's speaking. Look up, a galaxy full of stars, even the most hardened atheist I've never run into has been able to say, yeah, that does make me feel something. There's gonna be something. That makes me feel like probably we're not alone and we didn't create ourselves. We hear God through nature. It seems he was nearly always pointing people to something there and knowing it would help them understand the language of God in a real way. And then people. We hear God through people. Prophets speak the word of the Lord and point to the way of the Lord and regular people speak regularly prophetically out in the world. They reflect and speak his way and they speak his way to us. We hear the voice of God through other people. I was just remembering the other day, I, <clears throat> my husband, my first husband died in 2015, July 18th, 2015. And that week, the week leading up to it was without any doubt the hardest week of my life. We were exhausted and it was very, very sad and hard to watch. And I got one minute to go out for a, to run the butte. Um, in bend, and um, I was trying to hurry and get back home to him and his caregiver, and I, w- I remember being on the butte just thinking, I'm about to lose him. I've been married to him since I was 19. I don't know how to do life alone. I don't know who I'm gonna be next. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how I'm gonna survive this. And a stranger saw me And she came over to me and she said, I don't know you and you're gonna think I'm crazy, but I wrote this on my Facebook page that day. I said, a stranger stopped me on the butte the other day and took me by the hand and said to me, God is holding your hand right now, he really is. And then she quoted Isaiah 41, after all, it is I, the eternal one, your God, who has hold of your right hand, who whispers in your ear, don't be afraid. I will help you. God speaks through people. He speaks through people, not as mediators for his voice, but as encouragers so that we can know that we can hear him. God speaks through people. And God speaks through the Holy Spirit. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That's John 16, 17. Jesus says it's better that he's going because you're gonna get someone who can be with you all the time and you all the time and you and you and you. Holy Spirit can be with you all the time. How does the Holy Spirit speak to you? I don't know. Dreams, visions, words of prophecy, kind of a... Theologians often call it the knowing, a low voice in your soul or your spirit where you just know God is saying something. The Bible, 
The Bible is another way that the Holy Spirit, that God speaks to us. We hear his voice through the Bible. I've grown out of thinking the Bible is an answer book. I love the Bible more than anything. I've been studying it my whole adult life. But I don't think it's an answer book. I don't think it's a magic eight ball. Unless you're wondering, do I or do I not kill the mailman? Then the Bible doesn't often answer just directly, thou shalt not kill the mailman. You know, the Bible's a little more nuanced than that. But I do find that the Bible is my, my clearest and purest on-ramp to his voice. It just, it's just an on-ramp where I open it up and start to read and I hear his voice in it. Yesterday, I was reading in Matthew where Jesus eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees are mad about it. And Jesus says to them, go learn what this means, which is just kind of a little, it's a little bit of shade. Go learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And when I read it, I felt him saying, Bo Stern Brady, go learn what this means. Every time he said, I'm laying my life down for the ministry right now. Go learn what it means to love mercy more than sacrifice. So the voice of God speaks to us through the Bible. Four ways to hear him. But we can only hear him if we stop to listen and make space. Step away from the noise of the crowd, from everyone else's opinions about him and move to a place of a humble surrender to his voice and his will. Remember how we thought all our technological advances were gonna lead to like a three-day work week back in 1982? You know, this is gonna save us so much time. We will all be vacationing in the Poconos before we know it. Is your cell phone saving time for you? Or is it consuming your ability to hear anyone and everything else? Because I know I was working in my office on Thursday and I decided I wanted to go visit down the other hall because I don't get out of my office much and I was just gonna go visit them real quick and I had a four minute discussion with myself about whether or not to take my cell phone. When I was going to visit my friends on the other side of the building, what does it communicate about how much I value the voice of my friends if I bring my cell phone with me? It's just, it's just creating space for God to show up and move, for God to show up and speak because what he's gonna speak is gonna be good. It's gonna be really good. One more story, then I promise we're moving on to communion. <laughs> Last year was a really hard year for my husband and I. We went through a lot of different things family-wise, went through a lot of different things job-wise, and I had a retreat come up that I was speaking at, and I did not wanna go. And I got in my car to go, because I show up, you gotta be faithful. I laid my life down for this thing. And, <laughs> and I was in the car, and I uh, stopped to get some food, and I got extra cash out for the trip, and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, this is gonna be an adventure in generosity. This weekend, we're gonna have an adventure. We're going on an adventure of generosity, and we're gonna give away a lot of money. And I was like, shoot, that's not really what I want to do. Um, and But okay, and I'm crabby, and I walk out to my car, and I hear music in the parking lot at Winco. And I'm like, what is happening? And I turn around and there's a woman there and she has set up an amp and a microphone and she is singing. And when I see her, she is very, very pregnant. And she has a sign that says pregnant and homeless, anything helps. 
And I couldn't tell you whether she's saying good or bad because my whole being was filled with the groan of Jesus, that sigh over this woman's life. I don't know a single thing about it. I don't know what led her to be singing in a parking lot in Winco. I don't know how she got there. I only know I felt it. I don't often give to people who are asking for money out on the street, but I felt it and I felt Jesus say, this is our first time, this is our first moment, we get to be generous. And I was like, but I only got big bills out. And he was like, yep, <laughs> won't this be fun? And I, I've thought about that woman ever since. And it doesn't, I don't even know what it did for her. I only know what it did for me and that's enough. It, it taught me about a God who want us, wants to be generous and wants a weekend to be an adventure. And it, the whole weekend was filled with that. I'm telling you, the whole weekend, it was just like money, 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 money. All the money that I had, I'm just like, give it away, give it away, give it away for a weekend and see what he does. And it's this wild adventure. And you know what? I didn't go broke. I've still got a little money left over. God, God, let me in on an adventure and he still took care of my needs. Hear him. He wants to say good things to you. And you know how he's chosen to speak to us? He's chosen to speak to us around a table. God could have picked anything to help us remember his sacrifice. He could have picked, you need to... You need to recite a pledge. You need to crawl up the stairs of a cathedral on your knees. You need to, whatever. He could have picked anything, but he picked a meal. Gather around a table, listen to me, commune with me. Commune is the root of communication. And so sometimes I'm disheartened by the way communion has become a ritual without life. And not today. Today, the worship team is gonna come back. We're gonna sing a song. I want you to have a moment with your creator and I want you to listen to him. Before you ever touch the bread, you're on your own with this, I'm not gonna direct it, but before you ever touch the bread or the blood of Jesus, would you just say, Holy Spirit, I wanna hear you. I wanna hear you.
to the sound of your voice, to the sound of your love, to the sound of your challenge, 
to the sound of your correction, to the sound of your go. We thank you and worship you. In your name we pray, amen. Hey, would you stand with me? And I'd like to speak a blessing over you. If you'd like to receive it, you can stretch your hands out in front of you. May you be men and women who know the voice of the great shepherd. May your ears be open to the sound of his call. May your heart have inside of it a ready yes. In the name of the one who gives us life, life and more life, amen. Have a great weekend, we love you.